Howdy, partners. You're listening to Conversations with Jacob, hosted by my good friend, Jacob Waller. Make sure to check out the podcast where podcasts are available and check out the video version on YouTube. You can follow us on social media. Facebook is Conversations with Jacob. Twitter is at CWJ Podcast. And you can visit our website, conversationswithjacobpodcast.weebly.com. Hey, you got a show idea? Maybe a guest suggestion? Email us at conversationswithjacob at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Jacob Waller. Conversations with Jacob. Today, uh, we got a good episode for you, but before we get into that, I'm going to tell you guys about our uh, about our social media, our merchandise and platforms. You can follow us on Facebook, Conversations with Jacob on YT, uh, which you can follow us on Twitter at CWJ Podcast. Um, you know, and that's our social media platforms. You can buy our merchandise on Teesprings. That should be in the description below. We got hoodies, T-shirts, uh, mugs. And, you know, it's just about 20, about 20 or different 30 items on there. And, um, it was, you can find us on, uh, I think it's Amazon Music and we're on iHeartRadio. We're on TuneIn. We're on Listen Notes. We're on a whole bunch of platforms. 20 different, uh, uh podcasting platforms. It's just too many to mention. And you can, uh, if you want to send us a question via our mailbag, that's conversationswithjacob at gmail.com. Upcoming episodes, May 29th, next week, uh, James Martin from the UK joins us to talk about history and space, June 5th, and Phil Dunlap joins us to talk about, uh, about kickboxing and some MMA. Our future guests are Michael and Jay from Elvis Back on Tour and Larry Getter, who did Elvis's hair from up until 1977, Jim Wittes, who is an author, of many books and and just so many more. You can visit our website, Conversations with Jacob, podcast.weebly.com for more information. Today, uh, joining me today is Kathy McDaniel. Uh, she's the author of Misfits in Hell to Heaven, uh, Misfits in Hell to Heaven, Expat and Lessons from a Dark Near-Death Experience and How to Avoid Hell in the Afterlife. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jacob. I'm happy to be here. Oh, of course. Now, um, for those who don't know nothing about you, can you give us a little background about yourself? Background. Uh, I was in uh, real estate property management for about 40 years. I had my own company in Santa Cruz, California, which was a great place to grow up. And then um, I came up to Seattle to help a friend through uh, a bone marrow transplant, uh, which I did. He passed away, unfortunately. Uh, I was very run down, got sick, and died, basically, <laughs> and then came back. And so um, the rest of my life, that was 20, almost 24 years ago, I tried to figure out what happened and eventually wrote my book. And here we are. All right. Now, um Speaking of the near-death experience, uh, you know, now with the near-death experience, and what caused you to have that experience? 
Um, I got very run down. I got the flu, and that went into ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. It's very much like COVID. This was 24 years ago. They didn't know how to treat it. Your lungs fill up with fluid, and there's no it's, – it's not an infection or anything, so they can't give you any medication. They just have to wait it out, and either your body decides to start draining this stuff off, or it doesn't, and you have organ failure and die. Now, and now, when you have this experience, and did you feel anything? Well, the just before the doctor put me out, they said they were going to have to put me in a drug-induced coma because they were going to try everything they could think of to save my life. I had a 38% chance of making it. So just before I went out, he says, I'm giving you something called white amnesia. Uh, you will not be able to remember anything that happens in the coma, okay? You're just going to go blank, and that's it. Um, that's what they told me, but that's not what happened because I woke up. <laughs> I became conscious in the coma, and that's the near-death experience. You don't have to be dead flatlined to have a near-death experience. You just have to be near death. All right, um, and... Did you go anywhere while being in this uh, coma? Yes. Uh, I went to a very dark place and uh, had quite a few adventures there, none of them pleasant, uh, with demons and, and uh, all kinds of terrible things. It was, it was a hellish experience. And then uh, inadvertently, I got out. And when I did, I was blasted into... What I can only describe as love and bliss, um, light, joy, happiness. Uh, it was heaven and it was wonderful. And I, I saw my friend who had just died the month before and instead of looking like he'd been ravaged by leukemia, he looked wonderful. He looked great. He looked younger. He looked happy and, and, and and at first, my first reaction was, oh, shoot, he doesn't know he's dead. And then it, and he started laughing, and I thought, ah, I didn't say that out loud. And then it dawned on me, I was dead, and I was in heaven, and I was with my best friend, and this is so cool. And uh, he said, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. And they kicked me out, and I woke up out of the coma, and I was one unhappy girl. Now, um, for people that's listening, or maybe you've had people, you know, uh, besides the ones that, that listen to this podcast, do you expect people to, I guess, believe what you're saying? You know, Jacob, people are going to believe what they believe. <laughs> yeah. And there, if people are open-minded, if they've been listening to some of the other thousands of near-death experiences, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, no matter where you are on the planet, no matter what your culture, what your, you know, really, it's just, it's just becoming, um, I would say a fact that these things happen, that there is an afterlife. And, um, my, my journey was different. Only about one in 10 or 20, uh, people have a distressing near death experience. They're kind of rare. And to add to that, uh, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, the first thing my mother said when I was trying to explain this is, oh, Kathy, what did you do to go to hell? You know, there was no good answer for that. Um, so I shut up. 
And it took me 10 years to find the IANDS group, which is the International Association of Near-Death Studies. There's thousands of us belong to this, this, uh, organization all over the, all over the world. There has been millions of, uh, near-death experiences, but the, like I say, the distressing ones are a little unique. So it was my, what do I even want to say? My purpose, to have had that experience and to come back was to explain to people what that's about. Number one, God is all loving and all forgiving and doesn't condemn anybody. Uh, hell or the hellish experience I had, I made myself because I had been raised in a culture and a religion that taught me, I was a Catholic, from day one that when I died, I was going to go to purgatory. Because nobody but like Mother Teresa went straight to heaven. So everybody else had to go to purgatory. I was told it was like hell, but you got out. There was a whole culture around this and how, you know, you could say a rosary and you'd get 500 days off your time in purgatory. Or you could, you know, you could say a novena and you get a week off in purgatory. So I bought this hook, line, and sinker. So when I died, I expected to go to purgatory, which is hell. And I took all the hellish things that happened in my life and in anybody's life, there's going to be a bunch. And I made my own hell. They, they came up in segments and it took me 20 years to figure this out, uh, because I started talking to other people. There's not a whole lot of us that come forward. Um, and, and they, they mentioned segments and they mentioned that those things reminded them of things that happened in their lives. So I, I came to the understanding finally that that's what happened and I needed to tell other people don't be afraid to die. You know, I never, I wasn't there long enough, Jacob, but uh, most everybody talks about getting a life review and and it's pretty cool. Actually, they say it's kind of like one of those great big indoor theaters where you, you there are huge theaters and, and, and it's a pic, like a movie, like a movie of your life. And it starts from the time you're conceived and goes all through your whole life. And you're there with a couple of uh, guardians, guardian angels or, you know, parents that have died, whatever. You've got positive people hanging around watching this movie with you and you get to see how your life went. Another thing I learned is that we all start off in heaven. We're all souls. We're pieces of God. And earth is a school. We plan what we want to learn, and we come down here with the plan. It's got to be approved up there before you can come down. You take your soulmates, and you got lots of them, and you intersperse them into your life. Sometimes, you know, you, you'd be my, my father. Sometimes I'd be your, your son, whatever. And this goes through multiple lifetimes. But on this lifetime, coming down to earth, you want to learn things. I obviously wanted to learn forgiveness mercy, kindness, for the things that happened in my life that challenged me on those things, I now look at them and say, oh, well, I planned that, you know. Another wonderful thing that happens is you're no longer a victim. I used to shake my fist at God, you know, like when my I had a two-day-old baby die a horrible death, and it was it was devastating and I said you know God why did you do this to me why I've been such a good Catholic I've done everything right why did you do that well now here I am all these years later saying no I planned that whole thing for a reason 
my daughter that came down for two days says, you know, I'll go to Earth with you, but I'm only staying a couple of days. I mean, that that I, I you know, and so everything is planned and you no longer feel like a victim. You know, once you understand that everything that's happening to you, you've planned and it's all going to turn out fine, you know, in the end. So when you're doing your life review, you see all the things that you wanted to learn and you get to see how it went. And it's not like you're being judged. You're never judged. Not one person has come back from a near-death experience that they can say that, that mentioned any kind of judgment. Not one. Um, it's all understanding. So that's you look here and you say, oh, you know, hey, I did pretty well there or ooh, I could have done a little bit better there. But then the interesting thing happens is they flip it around and now you're going to experience how it felt to interact with you. So instead of me talking to you, I will be you looking at me and saying, you know, Kathy made me feel good. She was a kind person. We had a good time. You would feel how that that felt. And then if you've got somebody else on the show and they're railing on you, they're calling you an idiot and all that stuff, you you would get to feel, that person would get to feel how humiliated you felt or how sad you felt. So there's no real judgment. You just get to feel the consequences of your actions. And... Um, so that's a whole lot different than being taught if you hit your sister, you're going to hell, which I was. <laughs> now, uh, getting back to you uh, being in the coma, and how did you come out of it? Um, I was uh, I was in hell, and um, and then I was in heaven, and then when my friend said, "Now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do." I was sent to like a timeout place. It was, I was very angry. It was like a nice, nice field and a, a stream and I was walking back and then all of a sudden the lights came up and they were too bright and I'm looking around and there's people milling around and I thought, oh, expletive, I'm back in hell, you know. But then my daughter turned around and said, oh, mom's back and she came over and sat down and I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I, 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 I was too hot. I, I couldn't understand what was going on at all, you know, after you know, three weeks in a coma. I'd gotten down to 86 pounds, so I was just skin and bones, literally. I had no muscle mass left. So all the next day when the doctor came to do the muscle testing, the only thing I could do was move one finger and blink. And uh, that made me angry because I thought, wait a minute, I've got all this too much left to do stuff and I can't do anything. Uh, they had the trach in my throat, so I couldn't talk. And um, so I was a month in the ICU and a month in a physical rehab facility, learning how to walk and talk and crawl and go upstairs and button and all that stuff. It was a very humiliating, uh, depressing time. Uh, so and then it took me a good year of really hard work before I could go out and at least have some sort of life back again. But then I was left with all this this hell stuff, and, and uh, that, that took many, 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 many years to process. Now, um, it was now it was after you went all through that, it was, has your, I guess, opinion of God changed? Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. I, I would say that when we come back, we know God is love. 
We know God is non-judgmental. We know we're safe with God. That our we know that we're here for a reason that we planned, and then we're going to go home. And that just totally turned my life around. Um, that also made me drift away from my religion because I could no longer believe most of what it taught. So most people that come back from an experience such as this become spiritual rather than religious. Now, I was have you since you've uh, had that experience and do you get like was I guess nightmares or dreams about it? Um no. That's it's really quite uh, amazing because that's this experience took place in my soul, not in my brain. Uh yeah. You know what I mean? So the brain was really offline when all this was happening. Um, every now and then, um, I'll, you know, I, it's rare that I don't go to bed and think about it. Uh, but, um, I, I, I could get scared if I wanted to, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, and, uh, what has changed for you? And like living from day to day. Uh, living day to day. I think when we come back, we're a little more sensitive to other people. Um, I, my dad passed from COVID two and a half years ago. He helped write my book, and he and I are really close. I feel very close to spirits on the other side. They don't. I don't feel like I have to pray and wonder if they hear me. They, they all you got to do really is think about a passed away person, and they're right there. I learned that. So if you've you've got a mom or, you know, uh, even your pets go to heaven. So if you're missing your dog, you know, I mean, close your eyes and, you know, you can almost feel them wriggle into your lap. Um, That's changed everything, I think. Um, Just that part. Well, uh, my next question is, are you afraid to die again? No, I look forward to it. I can't wait to get that last person. You know, you got too much left to do. I get, I can't wait to get that last person done and go home because uh, heaven's home. This is just, this is a place we're visiting. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, and how did you come up with the name of your book? Well, you also hear voices when you get back or the <laughs> voice. <clears throat> and it's, it's just a real deep, um, relationship with your intuitive spiritual side you know so when i was growing up it was my guardian angel i thought you know i would talk to my guardian angel uh but now i mean you think of spirit and spirits right there um you asked me a question and i totally got off subject (laughs) (laughs) the question was and how did you come up with the name of your book okay so i was right i didn't want to write this book because it was going to be hard. I had to go through all this experience again. So it took me 20 years to actually have enough of the spirit say, you've got to write a book, you've got to buy, write a book, you've got to write a book. And then COVID hit, and I'm stuck in the house, and I'm here, and you got to write a book. So I thought, what the heck? So I, I had met at an INS conference a lady who was starting a publishing company. She'd been in the business and she was also a medium, so she talks to spirits. And when I was on the last day of the conference, I always was avoiding her because her her sign says, "Do you need to write a book?" And I can't, I can't, 
I kept like sneaking by her booth, you know, and the last day she stepped in front of me and she says, they said you need to write a book. And I thought, well, uh, I think that's the end of that, you know, trying to get away from her. So she she helped me. Uh, she told me what to do. You know, you sit down, you've got to do these many pages, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And I wrote the book. And so I'm I'm thinking a lot of the time it just like poured into my head. You know, because I did a lot about my relatives and people from the past, all of them did. And I would get these, they would like write it for me. I could hear it in my head and I'd just write it down. So when it came to the title, I heard Misfit in Hell. And I thought, okay, because every everything in hell was about the demons telling me I had to have a job. I had to do this job or that job. And Jacob, they were disgusting and awful and, and, and terrible. And so I would say no. And um, they didn't like that. And so most of the time they would have a club or something. They were going to hit me and I'd close my eyes and I'd, I'd, I'd wake up somewhere else. And they, one of them finally said, you know, every time you say no, it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. And it did. It got pretty bad. So I was a misfit in hell because no matter what they told me to do, I wouldn't do it. And then the heaven expat is that an expatriate is a person that, say, lives in the United States. And then for work, they've got to go to India for four months and start a project. So when they're in India, they're an expat. They're an expatriate. And I know a friend, well, my friend that I saw in heaven, he was an expatriate in India and China, and he said they used to have a place in the bar where all the expats sat, you know, and they they could talk about home and all of that stuff. So we're all heaven expats. We start in heaven. We come down here, we do our work, and we go home. So that's where that came from. The voice wow. prompted me in that direction. I tried to shorten it up, and it wouldn't let me. <laughs> All right. Um, now, now with the title of your book, it says on how to avoid hell in the in, in the afterlife. So, and how can we avoid hell? Don't believe in it. <laughs> you give it power. When you believe in it, you manifest, you can manifest things. If you believe in them strongly, they'll, they'll, they'll come to be. So now I know there is no hell except for the one I manifested. Now, you know, eternity is a huge place and we've got these little tiny human brains and we can only suck up so much. There's a lot on the other side we do not understand. Um, I have another friend who says that there, yeah, there's negative energy, but, but, but the negative energy, uh, pools somewhere in the eternity, but has no power unless you believe in it or your negativity will draw yourself to the, that negativity. So say, staying positive, believing and knowing that God loves you and will never condemn you. Um, that's the trick is just, they told me later, when I asked about how how am I going to keep this in my mind, what can I do that's positive? And I was told over a period of months to be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. So that's my mantra in the morning and anybody. If you can just remember, start your day loving and kind. No matter if somebody cuts you off in traffic, no matter if somebody knocks your coffee over, whatever it is, just stop, take a breath, and concentrate on turning your life around to be more loving and kind. And that that takes the negativity out of your life, out of your field of energy, and um, it's a it's a positive 
thing to do that works. All right. How for someone that, you know, someone that's new to having a near-death experience, uh, should they be scared? Like if they have one, you know, should they be scared or should they just, I don't know, uh, just like go along with it? Well, you know, you don't know when you're on the other side um, because it, your spirit is the one that is experiencing it and the spirit is used to being here and it's also used to being there. So it's um, people say it's more real than real being on that side. And, and that's true. The other thing is there's no time. So it's an eternal now when you're there. When I was there, I didn't know I was dead. And most people don't because you're still you, you know, that your body's like a car. You know, you get in your car, you drive where you're going, you park, you get out. It's still you, right? It's the same thing. The body is your car. So you, most people don't realize they're dead. They just think, whoa, I'm not in Kansas anymore. You know, yeah, this is different. Yeah. Just go with it. <laughs> but like I say, most of the time, you know, 90% of the time, you're just blasted into this joy and, and bliss and you see your old family and your friends and then, and, you know, people don't want to leave. But, uh, the, if it's not their time, if they don't have everything done, uh, they're set back. Uh, usually there's a choice, I'm told. Um, but usually the ones that really, really want to go back are the ones that have small children and they just don't want to leave them. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to come back <laughs> next time I want to stay. <laughs> All right. And where can people get your book? Oh, it's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and any place you buy books um, on my website. But Amazon's probably the best place because I've got the paperback and the Audible and a CD and Kindle. And uh, Kindle's probably the cheapest um, and if they do buy a book, I'd really love a review. No matter what you think about the book, I'd love an Amazon <laughs> <Yeah>. review. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, well, you know, that's all the questions, you know, that I've had. Um, do you get any, uh, I guess any, uh, closing statements? Well, I, I'm, I just celebrated my knowledge that I've had over a million views. Uh, on, on being on programs. And so that's really cool that, um, that the word's getting out. Um, and just to remind people that God is all loving and forgiving and uh, all, all of us that have been there can't wait to go home. And so please don't be afraid and, um, loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental and useful positive things in your life put the negative things aside anything bad that's bad in quotes that seems to happen to you remember you planned it okay and that you wanted to learn something and take that opportunity to turn it into a positive experience for your own growth okay all right there you go all right uh once again we're going to thank uh, kathy mcdaniel for coming on the podcast to talk about her story which I enjoyed it. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the viewers will as well. So Kathy, once again, I thank you for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. Good. Take it. And I wish you a lot of luck on your, your podcast. Thank you. All right. Oh yeah. Thank you. All right. That's it for this week. 
Tune in next week for another episode. Until then, be safe. God bless. We'll catch you in the next one.